Very cool. Well, it's wonderful to see you here this morning. If I've not met you before, my name's Jacinda. I'm one of the pastors here at Coast Vineyard. And, uh, and you've joined us right in the middle of a series that we started just a few weeks ago called A Guide to Knowing God. Sounds helpful, doesn't it? I have been loving this. Last week, uh, if you weren't here, listen to the, um, the message online. Uh, and you might want to Google up one bit in particular that just really has stuck with me all week was um, when Matt was talking about, um, like it's, he's, he's been framing up and Kiran had done it just before Easter, this whole thing, if we want to know more about who God is and what is he like, then we look to the person of Jesus. And, uh, and there's this wonderful illustration that helps us to get our head around who he is a little bit called the Gospel of Cheers. Uh, how many of you were here last week and saw Matt sort of move those chairs around on the, on the stage? It was such a simple thing, wasn't it? But man, it has just stuck with me all week. And I think it's, uh, for those of you who weren't here, you can honestly, you can Google that and there's YouTube clips that actually will illustrate that for you so you don't have to feel like you're missing out. But, but it was just a wonderful way of um, demonstrating the way that God constantly pursues a relationship with us that nothing we do, even when we deliberately turn our back on him, nothing we do can actually separate us from him, that he is constantly wanting a relationship with us. And, and for those of you that have been around Coast for a few years, you would have heard bits and pieces of my story over time, and um, it has not been one that has just been, you know, raised in the church from the time I was a baby, and, you know, I've always known Jesus, and, you know, just smooth sailing. It's been twisty and turny and had quite a few wrinkles, you know, in it along the way. And there was certainly a period of time where I did do everything I could to turn my back on God and to run in the opposite direction from Him. And, uh, and so I think that's one of the reasons why that illustration just has stuck with me this week. It's just this, I know that to be true. It didn't really matter how much I tried to run or how I, how I just sort of, you know, you, you know how the kids kind of block their ears, close their eyes. It's like, la, 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 you know. And it doesn't really work, does it? You're still there when they open their eyes. And, uh, and God is just like that. Uh, and he's, he does it because he loves us so much. And that, has, uh, that grabbed a hold of me, the reality of that, mm, just over 30 years ago. And, uh, and I've never, ever kind of shaken free of that, like just God's relentless love that just pursues us so much. And, and I think some of the things that Matt talked about last week that was really helpful as well is um, just to, for us to take a moment to actually think about what is my perception of who God is? What image do I have in my head when I think about God? Is he a loving father that draws near to me or is he someone that fit, seems really removed and distant? You know, or is he, um, is he even knowable? Or is he just too beyond, you know, us? Or is he a God that actually wants relationship? Or does that push up against some of the things that we may think about him that would make us go, there is, I don't want to know that guy. I think he's pretty scary. It seems like he's sort of hovering in the background with a big stick waiting for me to make a mistake. Some of those images of God that Matt addressed last week are really important for us to consider. So if you weren't here last week, I would really encourage you to listen to that message because it's an opportunity for us to push back against some of the things that may get in the way of us being able to know him and to build relationship with him. So today, as we continue to unpack a guide to knowing God, we're going to ask the question and explore the question of how can I know God? How can I know God? 
And uh, we'll lean into that together today. But before we do, why don't we pray? So Father, I just want to thank you for your presence here with us this morning. I thank you that you are right in the midst of when we get together. That it's you that's drawn us here today. And Lord, as we kind of lean into this whole thing of wanting to know you more and how, how we can do that, Lord, I pray that you'd come and that you would open the eyes of our heart, the ears of our heart, and help us to see and to hear you in ways that are new and that are captivating and that are rich and that are deep and that are life-changing. So we welcome your presence and your activity here with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a few different ways we can um, think about how can I know God. I was thinking... Uh, it's our 29th wedding anniversary next month. I know, you didn't know I was that old, did you? And I, I was very, very, very young when I got married. Um, no. Uh, uh, but I was just thinking, you know, that whole thing of how do we actually know somebody? You know, even just getting to know a person. Now, I've known Matt since I was 17 years old. Just a wee babe. Thought I was very grown up at the time, but, you know, looking back. Uh, different perspective. But, you know, we, we met through friends, mutual friends. And I had heard for some time that, you know, there was this guy called Matt, you know, that was, they had started hanging out with, friend had moved up here to go to university and had met him. And, uh, and so I heard about him, I heard he was pretty awesome, you know, pretty funny, uh, really musical, you know, just a good guy to, to have around. And so, you know, he sounded, you know, mildly interesting. And, uh, and so, you know, I came up to catch up with this friend sometime, and I remember going to a, um, I actually had stepped away from faith, but this particular friend was very persistent, thank goodness, and uh, he invited me to come to a Bible study that was held at um, the flat, I think Phil and Matt were in, in Kingsland. And, uh, and, I, and he made an impression, because he played the harmonica, he was really funny and had slippers held together with duct tape. You can see why, you know, captured my heart in that moment. No, he really didn't. But he was memorable, and I uh, stood out from the crowd. And I, you know, like, there were just these different opportunities to get to know him as we would get together with a whole bunch of our friends. Uh, great bunch of friends that even though I had walked away from my faith at that point, just because of some things that had happened to me, they just kept including me, kept inviting me, and, and to, you know, to be with them and to do stuff with them. And, and Matt was one of the crowd, you know. And so, you know, I watched, stood back and sort of watched from a distance. And uh, I kind of liked what I saw. You know, the more that I saw of who he was, just kind of really captured me. I loved the fact that he was funny. I loved the fact, he didn't know this for years. This is going to make him feel so good. I'm getting serious brownie points today. He didn't know I was going to do this. Um, but one of the things that really captured my attention about him was that there were a couple of guys uh, that were in the church that we were in. We were in a Baptist church then, and um, they were in their 20s and 30s, but they had different uh, intellectual and physical um, challenges that uh, made things harder for them. And Matt was the one that would include them. He'd go pick them up. He'd take responsibility for them. He'd take the you know, main stage back in the day before parachute. You know, he took them down there and just, he didn't sort of make a thing out of it, he just did it. And, and all the other guys included them, but kind of he initiated the thing. And I just, that really struck me, was just how he noticed people and cared. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, we had different conversations, and the more I got to know him, the more I liked him. And, uh, and so we spent more time together. Now, this is going back some time. And uh, we used to have long telephone calls. After a wee while, I realised, hmm, there's, you know, he's interested as well. And, uh, and so, you know, I wanted to get to know him more, and so we would write letters I was living in Hamilton, he was in Auckland, so we wrote letters, which I still have stashed away somewhere. You know, just talking about everything. I wanted to know everything. I wanted to know what he thought about. I wanted to know what was important to him. I wanted to know what he dreamt of doing with his life. I, I just wanted to know him. You know, and we'd talk on the phone. Do you remember the days? This really makes me sound old, but do you remember we had a phone that was attached to the wall? You couldn't walk around. I was flatting with friends, and it was cheaper to call long, you know, like toll calls after 10 o'clock. So our phone calls would start at 10 o'clock, and we'd talk for hours. You know, it wasn't good for my university studies, but great for our friendship. And, uh, but the more I got to know him, the more I came to love him. <sighs> it was good. And I fell increasingly in love with this man. And, uh, and it was that love that would propel me to just want to know him more and more and more. And, you know, turned out that was a two-way thing, and so we ended up getting married, and we made this commitment to one another for life, you know, and in your early 20s, you don't really know what that means. <clears throat> you think you do, and you do to a point, but, you know, we actually have no idea what life's going to throw our way, do we? And so over the last 29 years, we've um, created a life together, a family and a community. And, you know, we've gone through seasons that have been just wonderful, where, you know, you just feel so in love with each other. But I've also discovered that some seasons are really tough, and they can stretch you, and you can kind of drift sometimes into places that you didn't intend to get to. And feelings come and go. Feelings can kind of wax and wane. They don't stay at this peak, you know, euphoria that there was when I first fell in love with him. But over time, through all those seasons, the highs, the lows, the mundane, you know, of which there is a lot as we do life just day to day with one another, the nature of our love has changed. You know, it's gotten deeper, it feels steadier, more solid. And, you know, we've had to keep choosing to love, choosing to want to know each other in, in deep ways, you know, as time's gone by. And I know him better now than I did when I married him. But he is still a mystery to me. <laughs> and I am to you. Yeah. <laughs> I know this to be true. You know, there's that saying, a woman is supposed to be mysterious, you know, like, you don't want to have us all figured out. I just make that really good. Um, but, but, but it doesn't really matter how long we do life together. I suspect if I talk to some of the couples in this room that have been married much longer than us, there's still this element of mystery. You know, like, we can know each other deeply and yet still not know all that there is to know. You know, and it's taken, it takes time and it takes intent and, you know, like to pursue that, to prioritise that. Now, it strikes me that as we think about getting to know God, there are some similarities. Getting to know God takes time, takes intention. It's something that develops. You know, when we're talking about knowing God, we're talking about a relationship. It's not just a whole lot of stuff to know in your head, like ideas. It's actually about a lived, experiential relationship with a living and loving God. 
And no matter how long we've been getting to know him, there's always going to be an element of mystery. And that's something that we sort of have to reconcile ourselves to. Now, I know I've had friends who are wired different to me, and they, they re, they're very rational people, you know, and they, they just need the answers to everything, you know, to figure it out. This is hard for them, reconciling, having answers, finding answers with the reality of mystery. And yet we actually have to learn how to hold those things in tension. It doesn't mean that we park our brain at the door. Okay, that we actually are going to have doubts. We are going to have big questions that we're going to have to work through in the course of our lives. And that's a good thing. But we may not get it all figured out. We may not know him fully by the time we're done here. But learning how to hold that thing of mystery, and if we think about our relationships with with each other, we sort of are okay with that. It's like, yes, I know you really well, but I don't really get that. You know, I don't really understand that. And yet we seem to be able to hold those. When we talk about our relationship and getting to know God, sometimes that's hard for us to sort of hold those things in tension. And yet it's a necessary thing for us. Let's just read this question in three different ways. And moving the emphasis, okay? So first of all, how can I know God? How can I know God? God is like this, he's just God, Like, that's a really big idea. You know, when we're talking about knowing God, it's about relationship. It's about coming alive to God through Jesus. It isn't a bonus to Christian life. It is the Christian life. It isn't a bonus. It's not an optional extra. This is it. This is like the main thing, is getting to know God. Jesus, when he was here, this is what he said when he was uh, actually talking to God the Father. Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is it. This is what this is all about, what life is all about, that that we would get to know him through Jesus. God is immense. You know, like sometimes just the idea of him boggles our, well, actually probably fairly regularly boggles our minds, and that's okay. But but the, one of the wonderful things, I think that's why this gospel of cheers and Matt talking about some of those images of God that can be unhelpful to us last week is, is something that's so important because it's God is relational. He wants relationship with us. He has spent the whole of human history initiating relationship because he wants his people to know him. He is knowable. And Jesus helps us to draw near to him. So where do we start with that? Like, you know, if we kind of go, okay, if that's how I want to live, that's what I want to live into, how do I start? Well, I would say that the first place to start is to read our Bibles. I don't actually have a real one. Mine's on my phone. (laughs) But I have real ones at home. There's nothing quite like paper. You know, just mm, smells good, feels good. You can draw on it and highlight bits and write your notes and and the paragraphs and... You know, we actually, we are to be people of the word. That is how we get to know him. He uh, commissioned this book for his people so that we would know him. This is our primary place. Uh, Here's a great um, thought from Tom Terrence, who works for the C.S. Lewis Institute. He says, the scriptures are our only reliable source of knowledge about who God is. 
what he's like, what his will is, what his plans and purposes are, what he's done in the past, what he will do in the future, who we are, what life is all about, how we can know, love, and serve him, what are the many promises he gives us and how we we can fulfill his purposes in the world. Accordingly, they are also God's chief instrument for building our faith in him. The scriptures are God's ultimate and final authority for what we are to believe and how we are to behave. They are our lifeline in a fallen world. Now, I've read different studies done in different parts of the world, but the reality is loads of us don't pick up our Bibles. We don't read them. We don't engage with Scripture. It's a diminishing thing. Our younger people, even less so than some of our older people. But we are, if, we, if we're serious about, if we want to know God, this is, this is a resource to us. It is life to us. It is not like any other book I have read. I mean, we love, I love books. I love reading. But the Bible is not like anything else. You know, sometimes there are times when you're reading it and there's other times where it is reading you, where it comes alive as you read it. God has this way of bringing life to us through the Word, and I'd encourage all of us to pursue that. We want to learn how to pray, which is just ongoing conversation with God. There's no right way to pray. We just talk to Him. But we can often feel a little bit inadequate, like how do we start? Well, a good place could be to start with uh, the Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew. It's Jesus, when his disciples came to him and said, well, how do we pray? Teach us to pray. He taught them the Lord's Prayer. So if prayer is new for us, or even if we've kind of just lost track of it somehow in the busyness of life, we can start there. We can anchor ourselves there. All the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, which is a collection of um, poems and songs and prayer, to, to, you know, that, that has this wide-reaching kind of scope. It's often been called the prayer book of the church, Psalms, because they give us so many examples of what to pray across the whole range of life's experiences. They're good places for us to start. I love Julian of Norwich, who was a, an anchor, anchoress, uh, but sometime between the uh, years 1342 and 1416, an anchoress was, or an anchorite were people that felt like they were called to step out of the norm of life and devote themselves to a life of prayer in solitude. And she was one of those people. And she says this, that prayer ones us with God. You know, it's a bit like those long telephone conversations and letters that we would write back and forward. You know, as we got to know each other better and more and kind of got inside each other's heads and hearts, we increasingly became of one heart and one mind. Two individual people capable of still functioning alone. But, you know, like you're just you're knitted together, aren't you? Prayer is a bit like that, where we are made one. We're knitted into the heart and the mind of God. That's what prayer can be for us. And we can learn from other people. You know, everyone in this room has stories of what God has been doing in their lives, even if they are not really sure that it's him. Often that's where we start. But we can listen to each other's stories and learn from each other. You know, and if we were brave enough over coffee, instead of just asking, how's your week been, what about the rugby? or something, how's, how's your kids doing? You know, we, we start there, don't we? But what would it be like if we started asking questions of each other in, at Life Group or over coffee out there or we go and grab lunch together after church and say, what's God doing 
with you at the moment? Like, what are you learning? What is he speaking to you about right now? And if, if we stop and actually pay attention to that, there's usually something. And usually as we share that with each other, there's this, you know, like we're encouraged. We personally are encouraged as we tell our story and, and the person on the receiving end often, you know, you just glean stuff. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. I might, you know, ponder that a bit more or try that a bit more. Happens every time that I talk with my friends and I'm just, you know, motivated by that. Um, we can learn from our predecessors. You know, church history, there are books galore. There are a fair few on my shelves, on our shelves at home, and you're welcome to borrow any you like. But, but there are so many people that have traveled this way before us. We can learn from them. You know, find out how they knew God and, you know, let that shape our thinking. One of the things that we need to realize is that our image of God, the way we think about him, is going to change. It needs to change. You know, our perspective and our understanding of who God is when we come into faith is not going to be the same when we're 30, 40, 50 years down the track. It needs to change. And that can be a little bit disorienting for us because we kind of think, but, you know, but this is God as I know and understand him. And then we encounter something in life where it doesn't fit, doesn't work. And so we have to do the hard work of rethinking what we know about God. He doesn't change, but our understanding is forced to grow. It is good, but it's hard. It's hard. So that's why I say it, because, you know, I talk to people and they are, you know, we can be, feel quite wobbly when that's happening. And so we want to support one another when we go through those sort of rethinking, reorienting times. And it's important for us that as we pursue this relationship and as we get to know God more and more and more, that we are actually on a journey of discovery and growth. And it's tailor-made to us, so it's not a one-size-fits-all. Even though there are things that all of us can apply into the mix, like reading our scriptures, learning how to pray, all of those sorts of things, the way that that's worked out and into our lives is going to look a little bit different for each one of us. And it's going to take time. But it's important that we realise that we move from the state of like early faith. And Paul, the apostle, when he wrote a whole bunch of letters in the New Testament, he refers to being infants who, you know, we start off on milk and then we grow and we mature and we end up being able to deal with more substantial stuff to keep us growing. But that's a process. For some of us, we ask the question, how can I know God? I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. It's not for me. I'm not really, you know, kind of those spiritual sort of person. I'm just really down to earth. There's other people that are kind of just more like that. We are all as spiritual as each other. We are all as good or not good as each other. It is a level playing field as far as God's concerned. This is for all of us. You know, right even before Jesus came, God was telling his people this over and over and over again. You are all included. <clears throat> and I love this piece of scripture. It's one of the ones we love, particularly within the vineyard movement, but in <clears throat> the church worldwide from the book of Joel. It's a prophetic word. And this is what God says. I will pour out my spirit on all people. All of them, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. On all people, 
male, female, young, old, poor, rich, doesn't matter what we know and what, you know, or not, not know in terms of our education, God will empower us through his, the gift of his Holy Spirit. We are all included in this invitation to know him. No one is excluded. And this is the thing that we want to give ourselves to. This is the thing that we want to get good at. You know, often when you get good at a thing, you kind of feel quite good about it, don't you? And you tell other people or show other people, you know? Boast a little, perhaps. And uh, in Jeremiah, another prophet from the Old Testament, he says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Boast in that. Let's get good at that. You know, knowing him, knowing this about him, and living that, like that we don't even need to say things, just our life says it, would be pretty wonderful. You know, we can learn to hear his voice. You know, it's a bit like... Um, <clears throat> Radio waves or Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. I don't understand how any of those work, but what I know is this. Those wave things are around us all the time. We just can't see them, can we? And we can't really realise that they're there until... Let's go back to the radio, because, you know, a little bit old school today with telephones attached to a wall and things like that. But with radio waves, they're around us all the time, but we cannot receive anything or hear anything or even know that they're there unless we turn our radio on and tune in to that frequency. That's the same thing for us with God. We can, we, he's, he's talking he's all the time. But our radios are off and off or they're not tuning in. Brad Dusak, who Matt quoted from last week, he wrote a, another book um, called, it's on this slide, um, Can You Hear Me? Which is a great one on prayer. Um, and he says this, God's radio station is always on. His, he's broadcasting loud and clear, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The trouble is, we're not dialing it in. Our radios aren't working. Our radios aren't working, but he's always there, and we can learn how to tune in and hear him. We can learn to read the Bible with our eyes, the eyes of our heart, as well as the eyes of our head. You know, we want to read, there's, there's multiple ways of engaging with Scripture, and, and we can, I've met and talked to people who have spent years and years, you know, theological colleges, getting degree after degree, studying to get information about God. They know all the details. They know how to speak Hebrew and Greek and all the things. I don't know. But they have missed knowing God because they've been so focused on information. When we allow God to actually speak to us through the word to speak to the ears of our heart, then we are formed, not just informed. It's not just facts and we want to learn the Bible by experience, by actually trying to live it out. That we practice the word of God, we don't just read it. And that we learn how to just be with him 
It's such a weird concept. I, I go to spiritual um, direction every month. I've been going for about five or six years. And uh, I was talking to my spiritual director about this just recently. I'm like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what does it mean to just be with him? Not, just, not to do, not to, you know, do all the stuff, but actually just to learn how to just be with him. What does that mean? How do I live that? I've been doing this a little while. I'm still trying to figure this one out. Like just layers of that, deeper places to go. Brother Lawrence, uh, who was a monk that lived a long time ago, he said this, when the soul is with God, it doesn't matter if you are a dishwasher or a president, the soul thrives not through our accomplishments, but through simply being with God. And as I read about people like Brother Lawrence and, and see and hear who he became, I want to be like that. So I want to learn how to do this. We can learn to find him in all of the different seasons of life. You look, some of our seasons, if we're going to do a lifetime of faith with God, some of the seasons are going to be joyous and wonderful and just overflowing with just awesomeness. But like, you know, when I was falling in love with Matt, you know, it's just like, woohoo, life is good, you know. However, there are seasons in life. Ecclesiastes 3 in the Old Testament says there is a time and season for everything under the sun. That means there are times that are hard. And in our relationship with God, there are times when he feels as near as my breath. And there have been times when it feels like he is so far away or he's absent. And there are multiple different um, reasons why that can happen, which I won't unpack today, but there's a, I can recommend some great books. If you're feeling like you're stuck in a place like that now, I can recommend some resources for you for that to help you to figure that out and what do you do. But here's what I've learned, is regardless of whether I feel like I'm really close and kind of on the mountain tops with God or if I feel like I'm in a valley and I'm not sure if he's still there, what I do know is this, what we learned to do in the light of God's love, we also do in the dark of God's absence. I can't just trust my feelings in my relationship with Matt. I know that feelings are not reliable enough to live totally from those. The same applies for my relationship with God. I cannot just rely on my feelings. Does he feel near? Does he feel far away? God doesn't change. He is constant, he is with us. But our relationship is dynamic. And so it, you know, we're just gonna move through some different seasons with him, but we cannot just trust our feelings on that one. But, um, but honestly, if, if you are in a place like that, please come, come chat and uh, I'd love to help share uh, some of the load with you um, so you don't feel so alone. So we're on a journey with this, how can I know God? It's a process, it's a journey and there's, re uh, there's a, a whole lot of research that has been done into the stages of faith, the things that we tend to move through and we are being formed over the course of our lives. Here's an, a, an important question. Who or what are we being formed by? And who are we being formed into? That's a really important question for us to continually come back to and revisit. Who or what am I being formed by? And who am I being formed into? How can I know God? The last part, how? Well, there's no one way. 
You know, like I said before, there's no like one size fits all. God tailors each of our journeys to us. And there are resources all over the place, honestly, that will fit who we are, what season of life we're in, what stage of faith we're at. There are tons of resources, online, books, people, you know, they're everywhere. That's usually not the issue. Like, what resource do I use? Often for myself, when I've kind of wrestled with some of this stuff, or I've, dr- I've just drifted, you know? I've just drifted. I haven't been intentional with my relationship with God. I haven't been pursuing wanting to know Him. And so I drift into this place, and then suddenly one day you're like, how did I end up here? The resources are still there. All of the hows all of the things I could do are all still there. What's missing often is me choosing to engage with those things. You know, we want to know him. We have to actually want it. We have to choose it for ourselves. It is not enough for us to choose that for our children. There will come a day where they have to make that choice for themselves. Please, Jesus, help us to do everything we can to help them to do that well. I can't choose for Matt. He can't choose for me. Like it's it's an we have to take responsibility for our relationship with God each one of us to make it a priority. You know, if this is important as if it's as important as we say it is, then we're going to make choices that construct our lives to reflect that value. Aren't we? We're going to embody those values. C.S. Lewis, it would not be a good sermon without C.S. Lewis. Now, he didn't just write kids' books. He wrote books on theology and stuff as well. And uh, he's just as smart there as he is everywhere else. He said this, There is no other way to the happiness for which we are made. Good things, as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand by the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing or the one that has them. That is choice. No one makes you go and stand near the fire. No one makes you get into the water. We choose. And it's not just once. It's like all the time. For life, we, we would be continually choosing to put ourselves in close proximity to the one who has everything that we need. We want to keep stepping into the life of the Spirit, learning how to embody that, learning how to live that out, to flesh out these things that I think and that I believe and that are important. I have to actually choose that over and over and over again. We must choose to cultivate rhythms of life and practices that help us to stay near or in, depending on which metaphor grabbed you. If we want to know God, we're going to be pushing up against some internal and external resistance. We just are. And the good news is we're not in it alone. We can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us every day. Even as I'm driving here this morning, believe it or not, I love preaching, but I still get really nervous. And I'm like, God, you know, is there ever going to be a day where this is like easy? (laughs) You know? But, you know, so I'm driving here this morning, I'm like, God, just the Holy Spirit, fill me again. Just like I needed you yesterday, just like I'm going to need you to do this again tomorrow. 
Fill me again. And then, it's, then we just want to learn how to increasingly pay more and more attention to the nudges through the day as he grows good fruit in our lives. Ephesians 5, I love um, the message translation, the way that uh, they tell us this. It's like, this is Jesus, uh, no, sorry, Paul, talking to the church in Ephesus. He says, you groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. I like that. It's like, I can imagine Paul being that direct. You know, it's like, just get on with it. The good, the right, the true, these are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Just do that. You know, that's what we're invited into, to know him. It's just to like increasingly figure out what is he like? Go do that. And we, it's, he will help us with that. The Holy Spirit helps us with that. God meets us where we are and in ways that we can relate with personally. You know, we can discover spiritual practices that work really well for the season of life I'm in, the personality that I have, the stage of faith that I'm at. There's tons of resources that can help us with that. Here's a few um, that you might want to explore. If any of this has kind of grabbed your attention, these might be good. Uh, The Invitation to a Journey a roadmap for spiritual formation. If you're interested in understanding how, are, how am I formed, how does God use my distinct personality? And there's um, a couple of charts in there that um, reference the Myers-Briggs personality test and then makes a whole lot of suggestions about ways that help different types of personalities to engage and to grow with God and what some of our challenges can be um, in that. Uh, the Critical Journey by Hagberg and Gerlich. Interesting names. Um, but this is, this is if you're interested in understanding more about the stages of life, the stages of, in the life of faith. Because we don't, well, we, we can get stuck along the way. But you know how we have with kids, for anyone who's done any educational or counselling training, you'll know that in terms of human development, we look at like there are developmental stages that we move through. There has been research and understanding around that in terms of faith, our life of faith, that same kind of thing happens, that we move through different developmental stages. It's it's a really helpful thing because you start to realise, okay, it's normal. Like you find where you are and you go, okay, this is normal for me right now, but this is where I can be moving to and what can pull me forward. For me, honestly, it all boils down to love. You know, 30 years ago, I encountered the love of God as he uh, intersected, pursued me for years. And uh, I want to keep and increasingly live a life that is shaped by his love for me and my response of loving him. And like, I don't just say that, I was thinking, some of you can sit there and go, especially if you don't know me very well, um, well, you have to say that because you're one of the pastors. It's like, what else are you going to say? Uh, I, that's not why I would say this. I would say this because I was dead and now I'm alive. I was lost and now I'm found. I am a sinner in need of a saviour, just like you. Just like you. How can I not love him when he loves me so well? I encountered that in a way that changed... Sorry, this was fine when I practised at home. But I... 
I encountered the love of God in a way that changed my life 30 years ago. It doesn't ever get old. And it's that love, just the same way that when I fell in love with Matt, it propelled me to want to know him, to be with him, to get inside his head and his heart. My love for God does the same thing. It propels me to want to know him more and more. And what we love is really important because it shapes the decisions that we make in our lives. James K. Smith wrote a book called You Are What You Love. It talks about the spiritual power of habit, and our habits are shaped by what we love. And uh, one of the, on the, the slipcover, one of the people that reviewed it says this, in this wise and provocative book, Jamie Smith has the audacity to ask the question, do we love what we think we love? It's not a comfortable question if we strive to answer it honestly. Smith presses us to do so and then shows us the renewed and abundant life that awaits Christians whose habits and practices, whose liturgies of living work to open our hearts to God and our neighbours. If you're not sure what habits you're creating, if you're not sure about like what, what do I love, look at how you spend your time, energy and money. It's a good place to start, to get a sense of, what do I love? Because that's where you'll spend your time, energy, and money. And if I love God, then I want to do everything I can to build habits and practices into my life that keep me near him, so I can keep getting to know him. I'm going to learn how to engage with scripture, with my head and with my heart. I'm going to learn how to live in the present reality of his presence and learn to notice him in my day. I'm going to learn how to, to carve out spaces for silence and for solitude and all the other spiritual practices that are so nourishing and life-giving to our relationship with God. All of those things are just there. I just need to have the intention and the desire and the will to engage with them. That's how I can know God. Jesus said right at the very beginning, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. God wants us to know him. He has just worked real hard to help us to do that. He makes ways for us to do that. His invitation to relationship is for all of us. There are no exclusions. If you're here this morning, God invited you here this morning because he wants you to know this for yourself. And we can work out the details. We can spend a lifetime working out the hows and you know, all the details of how we're going to do that as we continually keep choosing and asking the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. That sounds like a pretty good way to keep getting to know God. This morning I woke up super early. Got to love mosquitoes, don't you? And, uh, and then the dog decided to start barking because there was a motorbike driving past. And I lay there and I just was like, I'm not going back to sleep. I might as well just go for a walk. The sun was just coming up. I went for a walk and I felt like God... Um, I was just talking to him about the message because it was a little bit long and I'm a bit wordy. And uh, I was like, which bits do I need to you know, cut out and, and what do I need to lean into? And Lord, what is it you want to do with us today? And I feel like he gave me... Um, this. He said, tell them I love them. Just tell them I love them. Can I invite you to stand?
It's easy sometimes when we're gathered together. It's a wonderful thing to be the gathered church, but we can, we can sort of lose ourselves in the crowd a little bit sometimes. And I felt like part of God saying um, that he loves each one of us is that he said it's personal. I call my people by name. If I could, I would come and stand in front of each one of you and I would hold you and I would look you in the eye and I would say, I'll just choose Dean because he's right in front of me, but I would say, Dean, God told me to tell you that he loves you. Louis, God loves you. I feel like God wants to stand in front of each one of us this morning, look us in the eyes and say, I love you. Really, you, I love you. It's personal. I call you by name. If as you hear that, there's a something in you that goes, or your heart starts racing a little bit more, or you feel hot all of a sudden, or cold, that the Holy Spirit's here. This isn't just me, um, I don't think, making up a thing. I genuinely think that God is in the room wanting to speak to our hearts. And so if, if there is a response in you to that, close your eyes, open your hands, and receive God's love for you this morning. Why don't we all do, you know, just close our eyes? The other thing that as I was walking... I was actually, I was nearly back home. It was cold this morning, and my glasses had been clear the whole time. And then they just started to fog up. And it was gradual, and um, I didn't quite realise what was happening. And then I felt like God said, there's going to be people here today whose vision is foggy when it comes to seeing me. Their glasses are foggy. And, he's, and I'm going to ask him to, to clear them for you so that you can see him and know him with clear perspective. So Holy Spirit, just join me as we pray. And if this is you, just receive what God has for you this morning. So for the Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here with us this morning. I thank you that you love each one of us, that you know us by name, that you call us by name, that we are here this morning at your invitation. And God, I pray now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that for any of us whose glasses have gotten foggy, where our vision of you, our knowing of you, or our image of you is murky in an unhelpful way, Lord, I pray now that you would come and in your power and in your compassion and in your love, would you come and clear that. Give us the freedom and the capacity to see you and to know you the way that you really and truly are. And I pray, God, that you would help us to encounter your love this morning in, a, in just wonderful ways, in whichever way you want to give it, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit.